Hi, I'm Kristen. And I'm Mike. And we're lost in the Sunnydale Stacks. This is the Sunnydale Stacks, where every other week we immerse ourselves in the world of Sunnydale, California and review two episodes of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. This week, we're dusting off What's My Line, Parts 1 and 2. Now let's head into the Sunnydale Stacks <laughs> and open the books on What's My Line, Part 1. Hey, it's Career Week in Sunnydale. Mm-hmm. So, Mike, did you have this? Did you have a career week? I, I don't. I definitely didn't have a week. I think there was maybe a test one day, but it honestly could have been something that, like, I found online or something. Okay. Because I, I don't remember it being a big deal. I kind of remember taking really something like that. you really voluntarily take a career quiz by yourself online? I, Were you that confused over what you wanted to be? Uh, I, I was a lonely child. Uh, <laughs> I just remember vaguely... Something giving the result of, oh, you should go into the arts, and me saying, like, well, yeah, duh, Fucking duh. I already knew that. <laughs> Give me a practical answer, damn yeah. it. Yeah, like that. You're supposed me... to talk me out of the artistic yeah. career. Give, give, give me a, a good uh, other career path that's similar, but no, it was like, the arts. Well, that doesn't, that actually helps me less, because I knew kind of what I liked already, and you're just telling me the arts in general. So, yeah, whatever aptitude I, test I took was not very, uh, didn't have great aptitude to it. Ferris, yeah, I, I like I like the way you phrase that. Uh, so we had in junior high, we took like this test, and then in high school, we went and visited a college and did like mm-hmm. like the Buffy second day of career, where you went and went to a table and saw a demonstration, like, yeah, career fair kind of thing. Exactly. So for junior high, when we took the test, I mean, this was bullshit. Yeah. It literally told me to either be a florist. <laughs> Which I think is really funny based on the shrub question yeah. in this episode. Uh, a performer slash artist, okay. which again, I knew that. Yeah. It's an impractical choice. I also mm-hmm. knew that. Yeah. Or a journalist. So when we hit high school and had the fair, my dad took me to the journalism desk. Cause mm-hmm. this, and this stuck with me for a while. Like, okay, apparently I'm supposed to be a journalist. That's what I should do. There's no, you know, table for starving artist. So. Uh, they couldn't afford a table. Yeah. <laughs> Right? Uh, so, at, at the journal desk, no one ever showed up. <laughs> like, it was just... It was What's just, the story? That, maybe that was... That was... It was like a trick table where you have to find out why the journalism table isn't there. Investigation. Yes. I do remember thinking that this was an option until I, in high school, I actually took a journalism class and I hated it. <laughs> mostly because we watched... This was a teacher that mostly all you did was watch movies. Oh, yeah. And the worst way, he couldn't even just let you watch it. It was stop. Did you catch that? Rewind. Watch again. Stop. Rewind. Watch again. So you couldn't uh-huh. even... You, I mean, I don't care what movie they played. I never enjoyed it. And there are actually several movies that I thought I hated in a class. Since then, I've rewatched them. like, oh, this is a good movie. I like it when it's actually a movie and not a series of clips. Right. Like, they played Dr. Zhivago. And, like, this okay. took, like, two months to go over in the class. <laughs> well, yeah, if you're stopping every time you have to explain something. And in oh reality, gosh. that's a good movie. Yeah, yeah. Classic. 
But in this class, we watched The Paper with Michael Keaton. Oh, yeah. If you need to talk someone out of being a journalist, <laughs> play them in the paper. That is stressful to watch. Yep. It's stressful to discuss. Like, God, no, I don't want that lifestyle. No, thank you. It's like the broadcast news, but instead of broadcast news, it's a paper. That's why it's called The Paper. Yes, exactly. <laughs> True. So, yeah, if you're more familiar with that movie. That reminds me, though, in uh, high school, the only time I had a teacher who stopped a video in class was actually for a fun reason. Mm. Uh, it was because they were watching this Rough Riders movie because we were going over the, you know, Roosevelt era of history right. and his Rough Riders. And he just wanted to point out this one extra who did this really inexplicable thing where he had a rifle and it was during this big battle scene. And he just goes in a door, instantly goes back out. So it's like, aha! And that's what we literally just kept rewinding that clip <laughs> and going, aha, aha, because it was just so awkward and so stagey in the way of an extra who clearly doesn't know what they're doing. It's just like, I'm, I was told I have to go into the door and now I'm out of the door. And there's just no motivation behind it. It was so fake, but it was something you'd very easily miss unless your teacher was cool enough to uh, point it out. Yeah, to I you. like that your teacher had a sense of humor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. He watches the way, movies the way that uh, Chris and I do. It's like, yeah. oh, is this a terrible movie? Great. <laughs> Let's shit on it for an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> that movie was rough, pun intended. Uh... <laughs> that joke was also rough. Oh. Uh, maybe maybe uh, puns aren't my career choice. Uh, uh, bringing it back to the aptitude test. So Xander and Buffy are also, like us, not excited about career fair. <laughs> Xander thinks the whole thing is pointless, and for Buffy it is. She knows her fate, and she can't fight it. But in Spike's lair, he and the scribe are translating that book they stole from Giles. I like the fact that yep. like this took a while to like yeah. oh i remember that book mm-hmm. that's a thing that happened it was weird because ford was involved and it he's was, weird because I, I legitimately forgot about the whole book thing happening and it was great because it, it's exactly what i wish had happened last season with the codex where yeah. you see something happen and you kind of leave it alone for a couple episodes and then when it comes back it's like oh yeah exactly what's been going on with that this whole time exactly they're trying to find a cure for drew But to do so, they'll need a key to the code. So -hmm. they realize this isn't some ancient language. It's actually written in code. And this key is located in some local tomb. Mm -hmm. The Dulac tomb. Dulac. It's a good name. I kind of liked it. Yeah, it seems like that could have been a, if they had another, similar to the master type villain, that would be a cool name for, I am Dulac. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's very cool. I also like in that this scene, you get the classic setup of a Spike and Drew scene where it's basically Spike's trying to do something, they fight, Drusilla gets upset, he apologizes, they mention Miss Eve at some point, I'm happy. Yeah, great. That is everything I want in life. <laughs> In the cemetery that night, Buffy runs across Spike's goons, breaking into that tomb, and stealing something. Yeah. We don't know what. Which I like that we don't know what it is until we see it at Spike's. And they don't know what it is, but it's there's enough else going on in the show that doesn't feel like a mystery that's been squandered. Sure. So while she's staking a vamp, the scribe scurries away. Feels in character. He's kind of a shithead. <laughs> Buffy returns home to find Angel chilling in her bedroom. Mm. She surprises him and he clings to Mr. Gordo. <laughs> it's cute. This, I love this moment. Yeah. You know, usually they really try to push home like, Angel, he's cool. Yeah. But there's not like really a lot of evidence to back that up. Mm-hmm. You just know they're trying to tell you that he's cool. So it's nice to see a moment where he's 
looks like kind of a schmuck. Yeah. But like, it humanizes him. Mm-hmm. He's one of us and kind of looks like an idiot here. <laughs> also, the introduction to Mr. Gordo. <laughs> this is the first time we see him. Your and favorite I love character. It. I love Mr. Gordo. <laughs> okay, so what did you name your favorite stuffed animal as a kid? Uh, I know I, you had one. I was very lame with my stuffed animals because most of them were like characters that were already established. It was like Goofy was Goofy okay, and that yeah. kind of thing. I do remember as a teenager getting a couple of animals at a state county fair or something or maybe a claw machine. And it was a stuffed gorilla and a wizard and then something else. And the wizard I called Point D. He was a rapper, as was the monkey. Because he was Monkey Monk, and then the rest of them were considered his Funky Bunch. Oh, wait, 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 I'm so excited right now. I need you to say all of it again. Wait, so Point D? Point, uh, Pointy D is the, Pointy the name D. of the wizard because of his hat. It's Pointy. Oh, gotcha, okay. Um, and I'm the D, so I, I guess, was the last name wizard. I'm just I don't so remember. happy when I ask you this question. This is so much fun. It's going to be Teddy or something. Okay. So pointy D. And, but, uh, and I forget there was a third member that I forget. I'm sorry. He, he was like the, the, the Garfunkel of the group. Uh, but then the, the big ape, and it was clearly, I guess they were trying to do like a Donkey Kong ripoff. He was a big muscular monkey in blue shorts, blue hat and sunglasses. And so I was like, well, of course, he's he's Monkey Monk, because he looks like a monkey version of Mark Wahlberg from the early 90s. Sure. So it's yeah. Monkey Monk and the Funky Bunch. Literally, obviously. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> How old do you think you were when this existed in your life? It was, it was like teenage years. It was like... Oh, at, okay. At the, at the very youngest... Seventh or eighth grade, probably closer to like. Oh, freshman, this explains sophomore. the creativity level. Yeah. I'm like, I was not this intelligent oh, no, no, a no, kid. No. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like I said, when I was like really little and actually having stuffed animals that I'd It'd be do like anything doggy with. Doggy the dog. It, it would literally be because I almost had none that weren't you know corporate characters like licensed. Yeah. Yeah. It would it would be Goofy is Goofy, uh, Baby from Dinosaur is Baby from Dinosaur. Oh, I'm so happy for your parents. They got you baby from dinosaur. Oh, yeah. I've never met them, but bravo to your parents. Yeah, that's 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 got to be uh, rough on my mom, just hearing that pull cord. And it was full size, too. <laughs> um, wait, full size? Full size. It was the size of baby, oh, basically. Oh, no, I don't want that. Yeah. I, I I don't want that. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was really weird. That I had a plastic head, but the rest was all stuff. That sounds terrifying. Yeah. No. I think, I think at some point... Because I definitely didn't have it for very long. I'm not sure if my mom just kind of threw it away after I'd stopped playing with it for a while. Because yeah. it was just a terrifying monster thing to have in the house. <laughs> it came alive at night, obviously. Oh, of course. <laughs> just like my Howdy Doody. Is that a Howdy Doody puppet? Well, I just got nightmares. Stop that. Yeah. <laughs> and and there definitely was a point where it was sitting on a chair. Like, that's where it was kept in the living room. So if I ever had to go to the living room at night, you know, get a cup of water, that kind of thing, it was terrifying because Howdy Doody's just sitting there waiting for me. No, that's a, that's part of Poltergeist. That, yeah. is, a, that is a deleted yeah. scene from Poltergeist. Pretty much. <laughs> so when I was a kid, my mom's nickname for me was Schnookums. Aww. She called me Schnookums. Snooky for short. This was way cuter. Oh. This is so much cuter before Jersey Shore existed. I know. This was a cute I'm so sorry. Yeah. I know. Jersey Shore ruined my cute story. But so it was Schnookums. And I asked my mom once, because uh, my friends and I were talking about middle names. Mm-hmm. And I was very young. And I was like, Mom, do I have a middle name? Like, I don't I don't know if that exists. And she said, yes. And I said, oh, what is it? And she goes, oh, it's Schnookums. 
And I believed this for the <laughs> longest time. Like she, I apparently had no concept of comedy because she was clearly yeah. joking. No, I believed my middle name was Schnookums. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's Anne. So's Buffy's. Yep. Just saying. Uh, yep. Mm, yes. Yep. We're clearly soulmates. Anyways, so I finally figured out that Schnookums was just this cute pet name my mom gave mm. gave me. But that is what I named my favorite stuffed animal. Oh, okay. So it was this black cat that my mom used to go to this. Um, God, what was it? I don't know what you would call this. It's the store. Coven. We, Coven. Coven. Yes. Yeah. No. Uh, when we went to when we lived in North Carolina. There's a store my mom would go to that just sold like general knickknacks and crafty things okay. like where you that you would decorate your house with yeah, just kind of odds and ends yes and it was like in this old house oh so an additional creepy thing were all these objects cursed and that they'd bring you what you want but then there'd be some kind of ironic punishment because yes. that's what it sounds like yes there were a lot of trolls <laughs> like literally a lot of troll figurines in there huh. now that i'm thinking about it but they did have i remember finding this stuffed cat mm-hmm. And I just remember being blown away of like, Mom, feel this. This is the softest stuffed animal. It was made with silk. It's so amazing. And my husband and I talk about this where I, when I was a kid, I was not into licensed toys. Yeah. I didn't like action figures. I didn't like whatever was the popular toy of the time. Mm-hmm. I was obsessed with stuffed animals. Yeah. I had the world's largest stuffed animal. Like literally a garbage can, like a big one, like a yard waste can yeah. full of stuffed animals. And that's how you carried it around the block yes. with you? Yep, so just you had to roll to... it everywhere. So it, we, my mom bought me this black cat named Schnookums, which I called Snooky, of course. Oh. And this was my favorite stuffed animal until a couple of years where she threw years ago where she threw it out. Oh, I know! That's I, That always seems like such a weird thing for parents to do when they're like, oh, we're cleaning out the place. We just assumed you don't want any of these I memories. I get the logic of like, you're an adult. Why do you want... Because at this point, mm-hmm. it's, it's ratty. I mean, it's disgusting. Yeah. Like, So I get it. But like, you don't understand the emotional attachment mm-hmm. I have to that stuffed animal. You get it cleaned. Yeah. Or not... I mean, I don't even care if it's clean. I'm. And you yeah, put it in a case. I just... Oh, Snooky. Snooky. It's out there somewhere missing me. Oh, that's the plot of Toy Story 3. Oh my god, it is. Mm-hmm. You're going to get revenge taken on you. Right, I'm going to cry. We have to move on. Aww. I do like in this scene where uh, she talks about the Dorothy Hamill backstory and the skating. Uh, I think that's a nice little character piece that doesn't feel super forced like a lot of other things where it's somebody something from somebody's past that seems, you know, like, uh, what's his name? From the Vampire Cult episode, Ford. You're right. Where it seems really forced. This seems like, oh, I could see that. I I know that I've had hobbies and pastimes that I've kind of put by the wayside. Not as much of a passion as it seems like ice but skating But then like, later on, your friends been like, oh, you were into blank? That's yeah. weird. That seems much more realistic to me. I see what you're saying. I, I felt this was a teeny bit forced because... It's the first time it's come up. It's never going to come up again. Mm-hmm. I think it'd be that, one that thing like if, like, much. she moved if she moved to Sunnydale from like Milwaukee. Yeah, and it's like, oh, we're in California now. I'm not going to ice skate. That makes sense. I mm-hmm. get that. This seems to me more like I always think of these moments as the writers going to an actress and being like, "What do you do?" And he'd be like, well, I can ice skate. Great. Done. You're and an ice skater. And is in the commentary, uh, oh. Marty Knox and the writer talks about basically they knew that you could ice skate and they thought it would be a fun thing to put in. Yeah. So you're not wrong. Yeah. I just got, I mean, I just assumed. Yeah. You assumed right. But it also does lead to a pretty awesome death. That's true. Yeah. Yes. So the career week results are in. 
Xander has a bright future as a women's prison guard. As we've learned from Orange and the New, is the New Black that could be either really great or really terrible for him, or kind of both, or both. I, I'm trying to think of any of the. I guess I guess the one like really heavy prison guard seems to be all right, pretty much all the way through. But everyone else seems to have some real up and downs. So, <laughs> anyways, uh, so Buffy's going to be a cop. Which mm-hmm. actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Really, and apparently in season nine of the comics, she actually does work for the police at one point. It makes total sense mm-hmm. to me. The same way that like Angel being a PI yeah. makes total sense. But so when I was a lifeguard, mm-hmm. which it was, I... Which Aquaman would be great at. Yes. Yes. On a beach setting, yes. Not I was at a pool. Uh, like... He's still, a, he's still a strong swimmer. Not salt water. You think that's his weakness? Regular water melts him. I mean, because his whole thing is like fish, right? I mean, there's you no can also fish. breathe underwater. I mean, yeah, no, you're right. You're yeah. right. You're right. Yeah. You're right. Uh, so I guess you could just put a dolphin in there to like be his buddy. So again, it's not salt water. That dolphin is fucked. There's, I'm sure there's a freshwater dolphin out there somewhere. Listeners, help me out with this. <laughs> oh, that's right. This isn't live. It's and this is not a call-in show. It's a trout named Dolphin. <laughs> and the chlorine would have no effect. Anyways. <laughs> so I was a lifeguard for probably, I think, like five or six years. And I, I remember thinking, like, I'm pretty good at this. And again, this is, I, you know, I'm still trying to be an actress, mm-hmm. but thinking, like, okay, what am, what am I going to do to pay the bills? Yeah. At one point, I was thinking, like, well, if I'm good at this, what would this translate to? I guess this was translate to cop. Because the lifeguard, you know, it's it, most of it was not swimming, but telling yeah. people like, "Hey, don't do that. Mm-hmm. You are breaking the rules. That's bad." Yeah, but you know, ne- you never have to pull out a gun as a lifeguard. True. I, th- I mean, it more realistically translates to coast guard. Even yeah. though I'm asthmatic and not a great swimmer. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like lifeguard was a bad choice. I mean, the most you're swimming in a like family pool is not very far. It's not, this was not a beach. Well, okay. But I'm just saying like maybe, and I'm asthmatic as well because we're both super cool. Uh, <laughs> but maybe asthma should be kind of a, a, a prerequisite not to have when you're in a life-saving situation because then what if you have an attack no, while you're, you're saving ju- someone? They say you have to you have to swim 20 laps without stopping in a span of 30 minutes, which I did. I can do that. Okay. Just barely under the radar, but yeah. I can do it. All right. Also, Coast Guard was not on my career fair list. Oh, so, so it was out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe if the Coast Guard had an in-house florist, then he'd be set. Yes. Clearly. Oh, one more thing before I, I like move shrubs. off of the careers on the bulletin board. And I, I, I'm at this point assuming somebody in the prop department was a huge fan. There is a fish sticker. Which we saw last or at the beginning of this season, and some assembly required another uh, sticker for the band Fish. So I'm thinking at oh, this point. I thought point, you literally meant like a Jesus fish. No, 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 for the band Fish. Okay. Uh, so, I was a cool kid. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm convinced that at, at, at this point that somebody in the crew just loved Fish and yeah. would try to get it everywhere he possibly could. So that's a fun new drinking game for Buffy fans. Yes. I know there's plenty out there already. You know, uh, probably ours is every time you uh, see a Mondo bottle, take a shot. Yes! <laughs> but a you can Mondo also bottle, add fish A lazy sticker. janitor or the murder yep. alley. Yeah. Every time you see one of those, take a shot. Giles assigns Buffy to find out what was stolen from that mausoleum. And Spike is just sick of Buffy getting in the way and is going to send the Order of Taraka on her. 
So this is clearly what the three should have been. Yeah. Like, these guys are actually scary. They're a little goofy. But they're way more terrifying than the three. Yeah. Well, also, like, they they do more and get a lot closer. Because you could actually look at the first guy who attacks Buffy. It's very similar in setup to how the three work. Sure. Where it's, they attack Buffy, gets attacked by somebody else, and uh, eventually gets taken care of. But he still seems more threatening because... He was one guy and he still almost got Buffy. He didn't know that Angel was going to be there and got taken down really by surprise. And then also by surprise, Buffy did the kick-ass skate move to take him down. So that's a lot more ingenuity on the part of our heroes to take down the threat. And it's also one guy versus the three, where it's three guys who should be able to take out two just by math if they're supposed to be this badass but they can't because they get confused when one more person enters the fight. Right. And it, I mean, this makes me think, like, why didn't the master call on the order of Taraka? Why yeah. did he choose the three? Well, maybe he's been, like, asleep for long enough that they weren't really around that much or something. Or he thought they were disbanded. Sure. He's I'll been underground it. for a long time. He is out of touch. And now he's dead. Oh. <laughs> Not all. He was bad. Yeah, but he had that, that cute little fruit punch mouth. It's from all that making out he does with those women with lots of lipstick. But only on the upper lip. The master gets around, let me mm-hmm. tell you. Yeah. You wouldn't think with that face. The face only his mother could love him. He's kissing him. Uh, so anyway, uh, Oz anyway. and Willow uh, meet uh, finally in this episode. Yep. Uh, back uh, on track. They uh. provide a cover for missing Buffy. Willow is approached by a couple of suits, very men in black kind of thing. Yeah, it seems like, oh, is she going to turn invisible now? Yeah, I really thought these were Marcy's handlers (laughs) at some point. I was like, what's going on? In reality, though, she's being recruited to the top software company. I think today this would just be Apple. Yeah, Apple or Google. One of the two. One of the two. Google, I think they would not show up in suits. Google has like the reputation for being like, we play dodgeball in the office. Yeah, they'd be in ironic t-shirts. Exactly. The suits offer her canapé and a shrimp cocktail. What's canapé? I think that might have been the shrimp cocktail. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. It's a very fancy thing. Oh, is that the thing with goose liver? That's foie gras. I have no idea. Okay, They're just fancy words, folks. (laughs) Yeah, right. We like Doritos and such. (laughs) Clearly, we live on Oreos and Lay's (laughs) potato chips. Uh, So the only other Sunnydale student that met their high test standards... Was uh, I love this moment. Mm-hmm. So much happens yeah. in this first look that he gives her when yeah. she's not looking. Because he clearly like has this moment where mm-hmm. he's about to say, like, oh, it's you! Yeah. It's the girl! And then like yeah. he he pulls it all back in. Like, you want, you want some, want some canopy? canopy? He's so cool. Yeah. Oh I love this. I love him. <laughs> I love the both of them. <laughs> How can you not love Oz? He's so great. He's all right. You're crazy pants. I mean, he's a good fit for Willow. I just don't think he's a very exciting character. That's why they had to make him a werewolf. And initially, they actually uh, thought they might kill him off in this episode. No! Or the next episode. Because when he gets shot? Yeah. That would be crazy. I love Oz so much. I want... If I would marry... Any boys in the Buffyverse. If mm-hmm. I existed in the Buffyverse and I wanted to marry one of Listeners, them. Listeners, you all know who I'm going to choose. I'm just giving you a blank look right now. I don't know what that meant. Oh, well, I think it's been established clearly that I am secretly in love with Giles. Oh, right. No, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No, you are. Definitely. You would marry Giles if mm-hmm. we're playing MASH. <laughs> <laughs> As previously mentioned, Scott 
or as previously mentioned, Spike is a hottie <laughs> McHot Pants <laughs> hot girl. I'm sorry. I can't, I can't let this go. You just called Spike Scott. I was Spike and hot. <laughs> I'm just imagining now the entire series of Spike was just called Scott. It really doesn't fit. Scott the bloody. It does not fit at all. No. Oh, oh. Um, okay. So as our listeners know, Spike is just the hottest mm-hmm. hot thing that exists in the Buffyverse, mm-hmm. but he is not marriage material. No. Oz, if I were in the Buffyverse, I would marry Oz in a heartbeat. I would propose with a band and a horse-drawn carriage and, yes, Oz all the way. You just have to keep him locked up for... I'm yeah, a dog a lover. It's okay. Uh, I think doesn't doesn't usually pertain in that sense. Okay. <laughs> so at the cemetery, they're staking out that mausoleum thing, or Buffy is. Mm-hmm. One reliquary has been busted into. It belongs to Dulac, a member of a religious. Dulac, 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 Dulac. No, that's. What is that? Dulac, Dulac. I have no idea the things that you just said. It's it's uh, a song. It's mostly just nonsense syllables. You know, like a lot of old Motown. <laughs> sure, okay. So that's what that... When I saw it printed out, when they were looking at it, that's what it made me think of. Mm-hmm. But, uh, sorry. Uh, so this is some religious sect that had been excommunicated. Uh, this is the same dude that wrote that stolen book. Mm-hmm. So this must be where the key is. I like in this scene how detective-y Giles gets. He gets very uh, putting pieces together. He seems very, you know, authoritative and something's coming. And it's a very cool moment for him. Uh, although, like, Buffy still, you know, does a lot of the, the, the legwork. It's nice to see Giles get a little bit of the detective yeah, cred. Yeah, exactly. He's not just looking things up in the books. He's got his mm-hmm. hands dirty a little bit. Yeah, Shit's dusty, you know. <laughs> At the bus station, Scarred Eyed Dude arrives, and the music tells me he's bad news. So does the all-black leather outfit and lack of sleeves. Okay, so it's daylight, so he's not a vamp. But mm-hmm. to take off my, or to put on, I guess, my non-judgmental hat, mm-hmm. or take off my judgmental glasses, one of the two things, this is just a guy with long hair, cowboy boots, and a scar. This shot is judgmental as fuck. He could be a fine, upstanding citizen. But he could I be mean, very nice. People that wear leather and cowboy boots and have long hair aren't necessarily bad. But he is, so this is establishing. Because it was just like that shot with nothing under it. They're like, okay, so some guy with a, an ice car is coming to town. We don't know what's going on here. Why do they show us this? Putting that music under this, like, so you know, this guy is bad news. Yes. But I feel like we're playing on stereotypes. Like, I feel like it should, this should have been, this is saying bad things about people then, with scars and But then you get, uh, Norman Fister, who just looks like some dorky little, uh, beauty su- supply salesman, who'd be the last person you expect to be. Yeah. I guess I want, like, some hunter. super, like, handsome guy that you think would be, like, well. really nice because he's, like, traditionally beautiful and then have him be a dick and have like I'm trying to subvert um expectations too much here aren't I? Reading a little too much into one shot. 
Yeah, maybe a little. Well, um, but I mean, I think that's a cool idea that would definitely fit in the Buffy verse of having somebody like that. And I just found it's a little judgmental. Yeah. I think there's actually a character who kind of does that in the last season of Angel, but that's way off topic. Um, but I, I do, I don't, I'm not in love with the first, the Cyclops guy's introduction just because there's nothing that interesting about him to me. I mean, he's got a scar across his eye. I don't know. I've seen that before. I like, uh, Norman Fister. Uh, he's a little creepier and not quite something we've seen before. Uh, that he's a guy made of bugs. And just his whole, I'm a beauty supply salesman. It looks like clearly he's had the same racket going for 50 years and hasn't yeah, changed anything about it. Yeah, I also want to talk about that. Maybe I'm too much of a city girl mm-hmm. where like the second I enter my apartment, the doors are double locked. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you're offering me a free Gucci purse. No strange man is getting entrance in my home just by ringing the doorbell. But he's I got don't free let- samples. I don't let takeout guys in, and I paid for that. Well, maybe if it was a guy offering free food. No, that's much more suspicious. <laughs> I immediately retract that statement. I probably can't be bought with sesame chicken. Oh, uh, so listeners, just so you know, <laughs> um, if you're trying to set up a Kristen trap, you know, you get the the box with the Chinese stick and the string. food is the way to my heart. Mm-hmm. But no, I, I like how creepy uh, Norman Fister is, and I think it's just the general ignorance of Studydale people who. Who have willfully ignored the fact there's supernatural stuff. Because as just a, if he was a regular guy, I don't think he'd be, he doesn't look that strong or that like. Still don't let strange men into my apartment. Okay. So get out, Mike. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I think this many episodes in, I wouldn't be considered just some strange man. (laughs) Guess we know where this podcast stands. I do like in this scene though. (laughs) Trying to get us back on track. Still laughing at my own joke. <laughs> <laughs> nice and not conceited at all. Um, but I do like at the end of the whole Norman uh, Fister introduction, you get the scream and the cut to the airplane noise, kind of like a classic, almost an homage to that kind of cut, which uh, is is pretty cool. And the whole setup of the airport, which I actually found out through nerdy research, the thing they use for the uh, airplane fuselage, whatever, right. They use later, I think actually in the next episode, and several times later, they basically flipped it over, repainted it, and that's the sewer. Oh, all right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, cool. so that's pretty cool. I do like the way that they set this up, because clearly, like, putting these scenes back to back, A, makes for an interesting portion of this episode. Mm-hmm. Like, the building of tension. It also really sets up Kendra is... Mm-hmm. One of this order of Taraka, because you see two back to back, you mm-hmm. know they're coming, so that's clearly who these people yeah. are. And then you see this beautiful girl get mm-hmm. out of an airplane. This must be another member of the order of Taraka. Yeah. Well, it's, it's very similar, and there are actually several moments in both these episodes that reminded me a lot of the Terminator. So okay. it's kind of the same thing where it's, you just see like, first the Terminator appears and he beats up a bunch of guys and steals all their clothes, but then you see, Kyle Reese, who ends up being the hero of the film. But then you get Kyle Reese introduced in a way where it's kind of, oh, is he, this some other guy that's that's going to yeah, uh, yeah, attack right. him? Because we don't know who he is yet. He's just some other guy who stole a hobo's pants. Other side note there. Kyle Reese, real charmer. Because he is able to have what, in the context of the movie The Terminator, we know is unprotected sex with a woman he met within about 24 hours while wearing hobo pants. Because he never gets new pants. So he probably smells just like a hobo. Mm. That's a really charming guy. I'm just saying that speaks to how how suave and sexy Kyle Reese is. 
Or you could make the argument that she's just so stressed out. She's like, I just, I need to have sex right now. She's running around like a chicken with her head cut off. She mm-hmm. might be pretty sweaty and smelly at this point as well. Yeah. So they're just pulling. We, we don't have standards no, at this point. We both smell good. horrible. We're, we're probably going to die tonight. Is it you or is it me? I'm not judging. I don't know. <laughs> so D- Giles deduces that the vampire stole a code-breaking cross. That night, Buffy is at the ice rink. It appears she's alone until she's attacked by a one-eyed guy. Mm-hmm. And Angel comes to her rescue. Apparently, he's not much of a skater, right? That's why he's hanging out on the sidelines and not skating with her. Yeah, I guess that's the thing. Cause it, like the plan for the date was we're going to go skating. Yeah. So I just assume he's like, but in reality, I'm, I suck. So go yeah, ahead. Yeah, I'm just going to watch you skate and brood. But I guess that also explains why the Taraka guy doesn't come, you know, onto the ice. He, he kind of has to wait until Buffy's on the sidelines. Cause it does look like he's watching for a long time. If he had just attacked it's a, a little bit earlier. It's a very pretty routine that she's put oh, together. Yeah. It is very impressive. It's very pretty. Something about the way this was shot made it look like one of those sample iMac videos to me, just like, I don't know, something about the quality of it and the cutting just made it seem very generic and like, this is what you can do with an iMac. To me, it seemed like a Lifetime movie about yeah. Linda Hamill or something. <laughs> like, it's just... I Green Dorothy Hamill or Linda Hamilton? Because we've mentioned both, basically. I don't know who either of them are. I'll be honest. Well, Dorothy Hamill was the skater she talks about. That one. And then Linda Hamilton was uh, the female lead in the first two Terminators. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> that's so funny that my brain went there and I don't even know, realized I made that connection. What's even weirder, two notes from now, Linda <laughs> Hamilton comes up again in my notes. I'm clearly psychic. I'm going to go buy a lottery ticket. I'll be right back. <laughs> the lottery ticket just has, has vague mispronunciations of the numbers. I just feel like I've seen shots just like this in some Lifetime ice yeah. skating movie where I break my ankle, but then she comes back and she wins the medal of some sort. Mm-hmm. Kind of cheesy. Yeah. Well, I mean, you didn't have to say that. It's a Lifetime movie. It's understood. Fair. Yes. So Buffy slices one-eyed dude's neck with her skates. Pretty awesome. Except that she's a murderer. But it is self-defense. Okay, there's no evidence that this was a demon or... So this was a human. This was no demon or vampire. He was in the daylight. We have no proof that this was a supernatural person. I mean, he did have that one eye. That was all this stuff. <laughs> this is... I mean, for, for like, assault, this is in a pretty extreme defense. I'm going to slice your neck open with my ice cream. Well, I think there must have been something supernatural about him to be that much stronger than Buffy. Because he, like, pretty easily overpowers her. That is a, that's a fair deduction. So maybe he's like magically enhanced. My theory, just because I think it would be cool, is that the reason he's got the scar and the eye thing is that he did something where like that fake eye is what gives him power. There is no evidence to back that up. He's a cyclops. He could have just had a really bad accident with somebody else with a an ice shoe. <laughs> an ice shoe? <laughs> so you think his, his one weakness was, was ice skates. Yeah. So he just was like... I really hope this goes well today. Dude did not learn his lesson the first no. time. <laughs> no. That's too bad he was the uh, the rare demon that could only be taken down by ice skates. So Angel recognizes the ring of the recent murder mm-hmm. victim by Buffy. It is reserved for members of the Order of Taraka, a.k.a. Assassins. Mm-hmm. Giles and Angel both tell Buffy to run. 
I do like this is the first and one of the few times where we really see Angel and Buffy kiss while Angel's all vamped out. That's and I cool. like that he he's perturbed by this. He's mm-hmm. like, don't touch me. I'm yeah. all vamped out. And that she's like, oh, God, I didn't even notice. This yeah. is a really good moment. Yeah, it's really sweet. And this is where Linda Hamilton, Hamilton comes back in. Okay. Um, because it reminded me a lot because, you know, beautiful woman, guy in this weird face makeup of... If anybody's seen it, the late 80s, early 90s Beauty and the Beast TV show, uh, which starred Ron Perlman, because he was kind of at that point, had already become famous for the guy who wears a lot of makeup, later became Hellboy. Oh, uh, right. Okay. And then the beauty in that was Linda Hamilton. So it reminded me a lot of uh, of that series, just something about the guy in the makeup, beautiful girl, kissing, the angle of it kind of too, the film quality. Maybe it was the lifetiminess of the skating before. Yeah. <laughs> kind of reminded me of some of the images from that show. I also think this is nice because, again, usually they shoot Angel as Mr. Too Cool for School. Mm-hmm. This is another vulnerable moment for yeah. him where he act- he has an insecurity, mm-hmm. where he feels bad about himself yeah. and his vampy face. Mm-hmm. I- I- it humanizes him yeah. for someone that is not a human. Yeah, good moment. Here's... Where I'm confused, though. So Giles tells Buffy that she can kill as many of the Order of Turok as she likes. Mm-hmm. They will keep coming. But Drew's tarot like cards... the Terminator. Yes. Drew's tarot cards kind of tells us there's three of them, right? She mm-hmm. rolls over three cards, and we know that they represent the Order, because as they die, she turns them over. So we think there's three. And there are three. If there are an unlimited amount of the Order of Turok, why don't they keep coming? Well, they do explain in the, in the, after What's My Line Part 2, in the next episode, that it, it got pulled once Spike was a presumed dead, I think. Oh, um, yep. All right. Yeah. Cool. All right. But I think the, the cards are kind of a, a, a double bluff. I mean, maybe the third one is supposed to mean the police lady, but it seems like you're supposed to believe that these are all three of the assassins, just like the shots set them up as all three of the assassins, but it's the two assassins and the, the new slayer. So it's, cause, I mean, it's not like Drusilla in her weird, crazy way ever says, and these three will be the assassins of the Order of Taraka. So say we all. She, you know, <laughs> talks in her weird, double talky, creepy. It's a really good Drew impression. Thank you. Uh, my go to, uh, Drew or, uh, Sunday morning TV preacher. Same voice. <laughs> um, but so it's just kind of we assume that that's what she's talking about because you know Spike gets the idea and it's hinted at in the cards because you get the Cyclops the bug but then the I think the Jaguar is supposed to be what's it Kendra Kendra the, the new Slayer and that was gonna be a question for me later is why does Jaguar translate to police lady I I don't I don't think it does okay unless it's because the Jaguar is hiding behind the grass that the woman was like hiding in plain sight. I, I mean, I always thought that the, I never made the connection between the Jaguar and Kendra. Mm-hmm. I always thought police lady. Yeah. And just thought, like, Jaguars are dangerous and aggressive, and so is this chick. <laughs> that, that makes sense, too. Also, Giles says here, some of the Order truck are human. So, Buffy killed a dude. Well, the policewoman was, a, I'm pretty sure, is a woman. Does she kill the policewoman? No, they just kind of, like, knock her Yeah, off. so Buffy killed the dude. I, I don't think it's conclusively proven She's a murderer. that Dog the Bounty Hunter <laughs> was a human. I think it's possible. The verdict's what not What we're it. saying is Dog the Bounty Hunter is a demon. Yes. It's, I think that's actually more believable in some sense. <laughs> it, is. it would explain his face. Uh, 
So Buffy is now obviously scared that she'll be attacked at mm-hmm. any time. Poor Oz walks up behind her and he's, she slams him against the wall. I like his reaction. That is a tense person. Yeah. There's yet another line that I will use in my everyday life often. <laughs> like, that is a tense person. person. Buffy decides she doesn't want to be home alone. So she heads to Angel's apartment and crawls into his bed. Mm-hmm. Again, Angel's apartment was real weird. Because it's as if... He's collected things for hundreds of years. I guess maybe the thing is They've that been at in this point, storage is the thing. Yeah, I, I guess you could say that. Like maybe, yeah, he hid them away somewhere. But it does seem so weird because what we find out later in Angel, and I think they talk about it on Buffy, is that he'd basically just been sucking on rats for a couple decades. I assume that most of these are like purchased from an antique store, a secondhand mm-hmm. shop, because it would make sense that someone this old would their taste would run towards the classic. Okay, so they're not going to shop yeah. at IKEA. It's it's not that he already had all this stuff necessarily, but when he for however he gets his money, we still don't know that. But however he gets his money, that's just what he spends it on is stuff that reminds him of his past. More he's more comfortable with a lot of that. Sure, stuff. he can't take sunny vacations, so might yeah. as well buy stuff. Oh, yeah. That's that's a, a good point. So where's Angel? At Willie's. It's our first visit to Willie's! I love it! It's that CD bar mm-hmm. that serves humans and vamps. Willie's will be the Scooby's resident informer on the Sunnydale underworld. Yeah. I feel like the, the show kind of needed something like this, that it wasn't yeah. just looking up stuff in the library. Yeah, you needed kind of like the street, mm-hmm. not street smarts, but like... The word on the street. Yeah, that. Yeah. I was trying to avoid that because I didn't want to sound like I stepped out of an 80s movie, but there it is. Well, I mean, the whole Willie character kind of stepped out of Starsky and Hutch, which I don't mind. Okay, yeah. But Princess Jasmine Wannabe interrupts and attacks Angel. <laughs> she is. She really That's is. Funny. <laughs> yeah, with the belly shirt. With the belly shirt, see? She, I mean, she looks great. She, I yeah. mean, I will say, Kendra is hot. Yeah. She is super hot. As Willie brings up later. Yes, she is very attractive. Mm-hmm. I would not mind having this girl's body or face. Mm-hmm. She locks Angel in a cage. What is this accent? Is she Caribbean? So, I did some research on I this. I was really hoping you would. So, she got some guy who's supposedly a really great vocal uh, coach. Problem was, they didn't tell her she was going to have an accent till the day before she started shooting. Oh, that's... No, what? You can't do that. Yeah. And then they tried to ha- have her do a very specific Jamaican accent, which apparently between the person not having enough time to gain a new accent and the fact that it was a very specific accent that may not be the Jamaican accent we all would recognize, something sure. a little bit more generic, yeah. it led to a lot of it being indecipherable. So stuff was either kind of put in a vague version of the accent or just changed to not really be in the accent because they couldn't understand it. So it's a hodgepodge. Of poor actress. Trying to do it legitimately, not being able to do it legitimately because you have no time to study, and it being changed from the legitimate style of the accent because it wasn't being understood. Right. Because the accent can be difficult to understand certain things. So that's why the accent is so all over the place. That is so mean to yeah. that actress. Yeah. I mean, dialects require a lot of homework. You yeah. can't make that decision last and, minute. And I get that it's cool to think like, oh, there's a Slayer from a different part of the world. But I feel like it would be better to just have it be the actor's natural voice or accent, or at least an accent they're familiar with, than to just have the, oh, we want to have an international feel. Let's give her a Jamaican accent last minute. 
Because you know it's not going to turn out well. No. And I, I, get, I agree. The idea that this is a worldwide thing is great. But, it, I mean, they they knew this before the day before shooting. They have that well, information. Hopefully. They just didn't tell her. Yeah. Anyways, Angel's cage will be sunlit if he doesn't get out of there soon. Back at the library, Willow has fallen asleep and wakes up with a don't warn the tadpoles. <laughs> it's our first introduction to frog fear. Mm-hmm. But Giles has figured out that the Duloc spell is meant to restore Drew. Nice. So now they know what's up. Early in the morning, Cordy and Xander check out the Summer's home to see how Buffy's doing, but she's not there. And Xander uh, says something along the lines of, well, if you want to be part of the Scooby gang, you got to blah, 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 blah. And that is actually the first canonical use of the word Scooby gang. And I like that it's not, that it's just thrown in there. Yeah. That's not like made a big deal out of yeah. it. Like, we're the Scooby Yang. But it fits so mm-hmm. perfectly. Yeah. Bug Guy drops by and offers Ooh. Cordy some free beauty samples. Yeah. Cordy, of course, accepts. Yeah, that's her weakness. I would lock my door and call the cops, but, but that's her I, weakness. It is her weakness. Hot Chick wakes up Buffy at Angel's apartment with a hatchet. Where did she get a hatchet? The hatchet, Sarah's. The hatchet store. There it might have been one at Willie's. Like a fire hatchet? Or like, because I'm imagining, you know, there's the old cliche of behind the bar, they got a shotgun at like a rowdy place. But for supernatural things, shotgun might not work. You got a hatchet back there. Or it was in the lost and found because you have some shady types coming through Willie. That is true. Uh, hi, I was in there last night. I lost my uh, hatchet. Can uh, you describe your hatchet? Uh, did you, you guys have more than one? Yes. Uh, I okay. want to make sure it's really your hatchet. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> Well, it was uh, it was kind of like a like a black blackish handle. Like it wasn't it wasn't black, but it, it wasn't really great. Kind of charcoal. I'm sorry, this hatchet is charcoal. brown and wooden. Uh, well, maybe it's just the lighting. It, it's always looked more charcoal to me. I'm sorry, um, I don't believe you. I'm gonna have to ask you to leave. Uh, uh oh, well, um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing. Is fuck. <laughs> yeah, he's a monster. So this is a great fight between Kendra and Buffy. <laughs> really interesting choreography. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, choreography the, in both these episodes is great. Yes. Fight choreography. Hot Chick introduces herself as Kendra, the Vampire Slayer. Mm-hmm. Dun, dun, dun! Oh! End of episode. So now you have your choice. You can have your your, your Bobo Jasmine uh, Slayer or your early 90s Grunge Slayer. Because that's kind of the two outfits they got rocking right there. Yeah, Buffy is looking very grunge, mm-hmm. which is not her usual thing. I wonder if that's because she's trying to go low profile. I think she's depressed, and her sad overalls are in the wash. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. That would make sense. Because, you know, her mom's not in town, so yeah. laundry's not getting done as much as it, it would be. As it Mom, would be. I need my sad overalls. I'm feeling I'm really depressed. Sad. I can't wear anything else. And I just got to say that this cliffhanger is, is, like, one of their best. Because I love a cliffhanger where you kind of logically get to multiple characters being in danger. And you've got, you know... Xander and Cordy, like, oh, this bug man's going to get him. And you've got Buffy in a fight with somebody we learn is a new, another slayer. So it's actually like, oh, this could actually be somebody who's a real threat to her. And you've got Angel about to be burst into flames. The only people that aren't in mortal danger are Giles and Willow and, and Oz. Uh, and Jenny Calendar, but she's, she's, I don't know, in Paris this week. But, like, I, I just love, and it doesn't feel super forced to me in the way a lot of cliffhangers where it's just literally, at the last minute, a monster appeared! It's kind of been building to it the whole episode. Yeah, and I think this is a big enough moment in the season that mm-hmm. deserves two episodes. Exactly. 
it's definitely not a standalone. Like this is not yeah. like surprise and in a sense later, I mm-hmm. feel like can work by themselves. It's yeah. obviously a continuing storyline. This, I mean, what's my line part one? You can't. Yeah. It would be a mess if you try to compact everything into one episode. Yes. Like maybe you could do something where the order of Taraka thing is kind of one episode. And, and they, they kind of, I mean, most, this, most of this episode is about order Taraka. Yeah. And we don't, really bring up Spike's whole thing until the next episode. Yeah, and like then do one that's just about kind of Spike's thing and maybe have, it'd be a couple episode arc that's not necessarily a two-parter, but just like this character gets introduced for a couple episodes. But I think it works better as a two-parter so that everything can interconnect. So when one thing kind of is at a natural point in the story where it gets a little dull, the other things in the story can kind of pick up. Right. All right, so I think we can't talk any more about this episode until we get to the next one because okay. it doesn't stand so by let's itself. Turn to the next chapter because yes. it's a two-parter. It's just Thank one really you. big book. I appreciate that. We're going to turn to the next chapter and open the books or the page, I guess, on what's my line part two. So when part two starts. We are still in Angel's apartment. Kendra and Buffy have stalled their fight, while Buffy digests the news that a new Slayer is in town. They agree to a truce until they can figure out who the real Slayer is. I like this. I mean, I could see where people might think this is a bit anticlimactic to have like, oh, but they didn't finish their big fight. But it makes sense because they're both smart enough to be like, oh, you claim to be the Slayer? We should be on the same side. Let's see what's going on. I also feel like that, I mean, the, the just the news of Second Slayer in town yeah. is enough to be like... Whoa, whoa, whoa. I mean, that's enough of a climax to me, yeah. to be like, wow, there's another one. Yeah. And uh, this brings up a point. What the hell are the Watchers doing? Right? Thank you. This should have been a huge discussion among the Watchers Council. If nothing else, the Watchers Council should have sent Giles a condolences card yeah. and say, like, sorry, your services are no longer needed because your Slayer is and dead. And if they know that there's two, they should warn the other one. They should warn both of them that there's another Slayer out there so exactly what happens in these episodes doesn't happen where the Slayer gets the wrong idea. There is no it almost kills another slayer. I mean, like, in terms of a job, you would think yeah. you'd have to send, like, at least weekly reports. Mm-hmm. Like, as far as we know, there is zero communication between Giles and the council. Yeah, it seems very odd that they... Cause, and we learn later that the Watchers do have further kind of communication. They do more tests and things and try to get more involved with the Slayers later on. So it seems really bizarre that they just thought... Well, they're never going to meet. It's not like this could ever become a problem. Maybe. I mean, we get the feeling later on, at least I do, that, like, Mm -hmm. Giles is not popular among the Watchers. Maybe it's a little bit, like, good riddance. I'm so glad she's dead because now we don't have to deal with Giles anymore. Leave him in America. But, like, I I mean, I guess maybe he's just at this point, because he's already got his books there. He's got the position at the library. He's self-funded at this point but it seems like so he's never had to use watcher resources or anything they just assumed he was dead yeah don't want an angry ex-watcher on your hands you'd want to keep in touch it seems like if you were an ex-watcher you could do a lot of damage imagine like if ethan had access to all the things that giles does i mean what kind of you know damage you could do if you were an evil watcher well gwendolyn price yeah and, like, when they get rid of Wesley, he, I mean, he has to leave town and start anew. Yeah, it seems very odd that they're just kind of like, well, let's, let's not really tell them. Because they, 
They must know that there's two Slayers. A condolences card. Yeah. I swear to God. It seems very odd. I don't know what their... I just don't know what their game is not telling both parties. Because that, that, that's the only explanation that makes any sense. They just wouldn't be that dumb that they wouldn't have known. At least later on in season three, they learn their lesson and they yeah. say like, oh, they swear there was a memo. That, at least in the world of business, yeah. you get a chuckle. That makes sense. Yeah. About like, well, they thought that they sent that email. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe they could have used something like that of like Giles opening some junk mail and figuring out that it's, you know, oh, they thought that Buffy is dead. He can't figure out how to work that fax machine. Mm, in that's the it. 90s. Yeah. Meanwhile, in the back room of Willie's bar, the sun is getting mighty close to Angel. So it's really weird that he's shivering and feverish here. Later yeah. on, they get really damn liberal with the concept of indirect sunlight. Especially an angel. And I think they kind of like read kind of like, oh, we have special window panes of glass. Mm. Yeah, uh, and well, yeah. and Spike in like season four is in the sun a lot. Yeah, just kind of covering his head. Right. And he doesn't get a fever and like a sickness from it. Yeah. So this seems like a concept they decided like, eh, this doesn't work for us. Yeah, this is just not, not convenient enough. Maybe something about Angel having a soul makes his reaction to sunlight slightly different. No. I mean, I kind of like the idea of if you burst into flame mm-hmm. when sunlight hits you. Yeah. I kind of like the idea of like when su- when it's getting close, when you're in indir- when you're in indirect sunlight, you can feel getting like heat a heat it. flash, yeah. like yeah. getting hot flashes and like really getting. Yeah. Which seems like it would actually be easier to do, just spray somebody with a water bottle versus like trying to make them look cold and shivery. Right. Like, have you ever had like uh, what is it called? Not not heat stroke, but like. Oh, like exhaustion. Right. When you're out in the sun too long and like if you're trying to play sports in the sun, you're like, oh my God, I feel really sick. Yeah. That's what it should be like for Mm -hmm. Angel. I actually like that idea. I think they should have, if they were going to do that though, they should have kept it. Yeah. Back at the library, Giles confirms that Kendra is the Slayer. I do like the details that they put in here to highlight the difference between the two Mm -hmm. of them. Kendra is standing at, like, perfect attention. She's yeah. very put together. Mm-hmm. Buffy's posture is very slouched over. Like, She's all unkempt. Also, Kendra specifically says, I have no last name. How? I, I Maybe she was planning on being a musical artist before she got called to be the Slayer. It's not like she comes from a community where they don't do last names. Mm-hmm. She knows enough to know that it's specifically weird and she yeah. has to mention it. That is weird. And she has parents, so it's not like I'm an orphan, so I don't have a last name. No. Which I, I don't think is legal. I mean, I guess if you're growing up on the streets, but it seems I like... I mean, I don't know how it works in other countries. Like, we I would guess. call you Doe. We'd give your last, you know, yeah. Sure. That just seems extra cruel, like, oh, you don't have parents, you don't get a last name. Make one up. Smith? Sounds good. Poophead. Oh, damn. <laughs> this is why we don't have these laws in the books. <laughs> so if there can only be one slate at a time, how is Kendra here? When Buffy was killed by the Master in Prophecy Girl, she did technically die for mm-hmm. a couple of seconds before Xander brought her back. This is pretty genius, yeah. right? This is... Uh- a lot like how they uh, deal with Igon by having Angel's Demon take care of them. I love it when they kind of mess around with the mythology yeah. in a fun way where it's like kind of bending the rules in order to do something new and different. Do you but think that they totally had this sense. in mind when they wrote Prophecy Girl? I don't know. And doing research and like listening to the commentaries, even Marty Noxon, who wrote this episode, 
Uh, of course, you know, you got the showrunner, Joss Whedon, has all, like, the, the big plans for it. So she didn't even know whether or not he did this intentionally or just kind of thought of it as an afterthought of, like, hey, it'd be cool to have another Slayer, and technically Buffy died, so we could just have another Slayer. It's neat. The guy fucks with my head a lot. <laughs> so Kendra attacked Buffy because after seeing Buffy kiss Angel, Kendra suspected she was a vampire. Yeah. Makes sense. She hasn't met the vampire cult, obviously. But... Willie releases Angel from his sunny cage, but delivers him to Spike in the sewer. Mm-hmm. Back at the Summer's home, Cordy is still talking to the makeup-selling bug man. He devolves into millions of maggots, and Xander and Cordy run and lock themselves in the basement. I do like how they... Because they kind of have to use some crappy CGI at some point. Sure, it's, yeah. You can't practically have a guy turn into bugs. They're using the technology that's available at yeah. the time. It's fine. But they do a much better job than in uh, Mark of Igon uh, yeah. times of once he's, you know, changed, once they do the stuff that you have to do with CGI, making it real bugs or at yep. least like good rubber bugs. Yeah. This is Not, a point yeah. as an actress where I'd be like, mm. I'm going to need a bonus <laughs> if you want me to be around real maggots. <laughs> this is part of your craft. <laughs> the uh, the disgust is not acting. That's yeah. just real. Well, yeah, it just makes your job easier, really. There you go. Kendra and Buffy arrive at Willie's to find Angel gone. Back at the warehouse, we learn that Angel has to die during a full moon to restore Drew's health. Which actually changes later in the episode to a new moon. It's kind of a weird kind of The opposite, right? Yeah. I caught that. I was like, I think that's different. I I, I chalk it up to, because uh, I think in the earlier, I think it's just Spike who says that initially, well, like, when the full moon's out tonight, but he's kind of like horny, trying to get up on Drew. He could have easily just had a slip of the tongue. Because like, from then on, sure. I think everyone says new moon. So I, okay. I don't think it's, it's as egregious. He's not a scientist. Yeah. <laughs> He's got that one uh, vampire with the glasses for that. Yeah, it's his job to be a nerd. Mm -hmm. Speaking of Spike being horny, I have a question here. Mm -hmm. Uh, So they say together, because Drew finishes Spike's sentence, it's been forever. There's lots of sexual tension happening, and Mm -hmm. I really feel like it's implied that until Drew's health is restored, they can't have sex. Did you catch that as well? Oh, yeah, I I feel like totally. That's like the, the subtext of it. I think that's weird because there's been so much, I mean, like, I feel like up until this point, it's been implying that they boink all day long, all I, the time. I think, well, yeah, I think you could read it that way, but I think it's, it's, uh, you could also read it as they just want to so much because she Drew's, can't last very long. Yeah. Missionary only yeah. for maybe 15 minutes before she's exhausted. <laughs> well, I mean, I think Spike could get the job done if he needed to there, but. That's not fun for anyone though. Eh, I mean. It's a little fun for Spike. <laughs> Speaking as a guy, it's not it's not the ideal circumstance, but fair. You probably get the job fair. done. Okay. <laughs> but it is kind of a nice reveal, I think, that there's something even more human about his motivations. Like, yeah, it is also kind of the more romantic thing of I want my love to have her power, but it's also like I'm real horny. I prefer the romantic spike of I not even like I love this woman. This is mm-hmm. just like a really good friend and she's sick. Mm. I'm <laughs> going to go. You think with they're that. just friends? No, but I'm saying like this is something you would do even for just a close friend. You don't necessarily have to be soulmates to be like, "Hey, you're real sick. I'm going to help you out." <laughs> okay. I just don't think spike has really close friends. 
<laughs> True. Is, yeah. No. Is that like, oh, hey. Uh, okay, let's argue that buddy. you can't be like soulmates and great loves without also being buddies. I think Spike and Drew might because they're both so messed up. Okay. Kendra receives orders to help Buffy. We discover that there's a Slayer handbook, which Buffy mm-hmm. has never received. Kendra, on the other hand, does everything by the book. Buffy starts to see the benefits of having another Slayer take over. Buffy could have a normal life, or at least take a vacation. <laughs> Let number two take over for a little bit. My question, um, in where in the Slayer handbook does it say belly shirts? Oh, page one. Oh, okay. Page one, definitely. Buffy's been slacking. Yeah. Those, like, midriff showing, showing camis, not enough. No, we need the full belly shirt. Oh, wow. That's... That's uh, pretty harsh. Like, what if you just don't, like, have a good figure for that? That seems... Then you're like... not doing your proper calisthenics. Do you remember the bad music and the step? Yeah, but what if you just ha- What if you're not, like, necessarily heavy, but you just have, like, an awkward frame? It might not be, you know, a good look for you. That seems harsh, watchers. Seems like you should really update your, your handbook to I mean, allow is, all sorts of fashions. It is a group of, of men telling women what to do. <laughs> of old magic men. Right. Meanwhile, in Buffy's basement, surprise! Xander and Cordy are fighting. <laughs> I'm shocked. Xander thinks they should wait for Buffy's help, while Cordy thinks that they that Xander should man up and mm-hmm. do something. The fight culminates in their first kiss. Uh, yeah. I love this romantic music swing. Oh yeah, it's so over the top. So cheesy. And then uh, immediately followed by, we so need to get out of here. Yeah, they blame the cabin fever. Mm-hmm. Bug dude falls from the ceiling on the courtyard. Gross. Then I like just that, get hosed off. I know. I like that Xander has a schoolboy moment of no matter how much he wants to run, mm-hmm. and no matter how much like he doesn't have romantic feeling towards Cordy, his loins take over, and yeah. when he's spraying Cordy with the hose, like, oh, wet t-shirt. Spray he just keeps more. going. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I, I, that's what I thought it was, too, but I, I didn't want to be, like, sound super oh, pervy. Oh, no, I definitely okay. think it was, like, Xander's hormones just took over. Like, and it's like, oh, yeah. tight clean t-shirt. And Cordy has a real decent rack, so, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I also like how when they're they're fleeing, we get the nice continuity of seeing the Queen C license plate. I like yeah. that. Back at the career fair... Oz and Willow chat about their future plans, mm. and Buffy checks out the law enforcement booth. But when Cop Lady calls her name, bullets start flying. That was that was kind of an awesome way to both have a gun in a school. And granted, this is before that became a very sensitive issue. Still, you uh, wouldn't normally like. Yeah, it's openly not, in your whole like. Yeah, it's just like some adult person just walking around the school with a gun be a bit suspicious. But like, yeah, not if you're oh, in Texas. Keep going. Mm, uh-huh. uh, but if you're uh, a cop on career day, sure. Yeah. You, you're just in your cop right. uniform. And calling roll call would make total sense. Mm-hmm. But like, oh, just, you know, Buffy, where are you? Okay, yeah. that's the one that I want. Oh, so here's a very nitpicky thing. Oh. I noticed. The cop clearly says, answer when I call your name. Buffy doesn't answer. She raises her hand. This is why the lady shoots her, because you didn't follow orders. She's not even part of the Order of Taraka. They just kind of no. pick her up later. Fuck you. You can't take direction. <laughs> that actually reminds me of a story. I didn't get shot or shot at. But there was one time in high school where it was for some gym class. The teacher was going around and basically saying, taking roll call for this weightlifting course we were doing at part of our gym class. 
and uh, she said, like, okay, so when it, uh, it's your name, just pop up your hand. And a couple of people were doing it. And then a couple of people did the, like, president, huh, that kind of joke. You've heard that, right? No, actually. Well, you, like, people say present, present, president. Uh. That, nobody in my high school is apparently that clever. Uh, or that uh, lame. So, I decided to actually try to do something a little more clever. Um, and instead of just putting my hand up or saying president, I went pop and was immediately banished from the classroom. What? Yes. That seems personal. Yeah. It was really weird. Pop? Just like P-O-P. Yeah. Pop. Like, get out of my classroom. And I just had to. After so many presidents, he was just so pissed off. I guess so. Um, so I just had to spend the, the rest of the class in the hallway, which was great because I didn't have to I was do gym say, you class. won in that situation. Yeah. Um, I was just waiting. And then afterwards, she, she's like, okay, well, just don't do it again. And I was like, what? That's what, weird. What's the big lesson here? Don't, don't try to be a little bit more clever than the other people yeah, who were doing Yeah, president is okay, but not pop. Yeah. Weird. I don't know. Maybe she thought I said something else and then when she realized I didn't. Yeah, maybe she thought you said like the F word or something. Yeah. Fuck! <laughs> Like, that would yeah. be more appropriate. Absolutely, to get out. Set somebody out of class. Although that would also be hilarious to do <laughs> in high school. I would love if I knew some kid in high school who just when they're taking a roll just went, "Fuck." <laughs> I have Tourette's. What? <laughs> so Av saves Willow from getting shot again. If I didn't love him before, I love him so much now. Yep. Buffy and Kendra scare the cop lady off. Not before she takes Jonathan as a hostage. Love that. Good riddance to this bitch. She has terrible bangs. <laughs> that's that's her worst crime. That's her worst crime, those terrible bangs. The whole gang regroups in the library. Mm-hmm. Kendra is super shy around boys, a.k.a. Xander. This is weird. Giles figures out Spike's plan and works to find Angel. There are some really cute moments here. Mm-hmm. So Xander crushes one of the magnets in a biology book. Ah. I love when Buffy says, you and bug people, what is it? And so, well, it's, it wasn't a bug. It was made of bugs. This is totally different than Praying Man just yeah, lady. Yeah, it's totally different. Uh, and that reminds me, there's another callback that I really liked where, uh, this is earlier on, Kendra and Giles and Buffy are talking. Offhanded, Kendra says, like, oh, and I guess you're on the cheerleading team, too. Well, no, there's actually a funny story behind that. She had a clip of her cheerleading career. Yeah. <laughs> I also like really that cool. Buffy now finally accepts Kendra. There's a pointed line about being fortunate that Kendra was there. Mm-hmm. So we've kind of resolved that tension. Yeah. I also really like Xander's line of, Angel's our friend, except I don't like him. <laughs> very concise, very true. Drew's torturing Angel in the warehouse by pouring small amounts of holy water on him. Apparently out of a perfume bottle, it looked like. Sure, yeah. Yeah, it was a weird bottle. I mean, this is effective. It is not quite Mm -hmm. as terrible as shoving a cross in his mouth the way Buffy did to that one vamp. Yeah. But this is bad. I mean, this would... I imagine this would hurt. Get some welts on there. I just imagine acid. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, yeah. It's like pouring acid onto you. And uh, it's also very clear that Drew's, like, getting she off on this. this. Yeah. She loves this. I don't get this line. My mummy ate lemons raw as opposed to what? Who cooks a lemon? Why did you need to specify that it's Maybe raw? Maybe, like, l- lemonade? Still raw lemons. Well, I mean, it's, it's raw in the sense that it's not cooked, but it's prepared. Or maybe, maybe... They did a lot of research, and they found out that people used to eat lemons with a little bit of sugar on it, and did not eat with that was called to eat it raw. 
That's a, is that true? Did you make that up? I completely just made that up, but it sounds like that could be true. Sure. <laughs> At the library, the gang is looking up abandoned churches. I missed why they're doing this. Because uh, the ritual could only be performed in church. Did they say that? I think they, they like, offhandedly say okay. it. Because it, I mean, it makes sense because the whole thing is like weird inversion of church thing. They yeah, care about him being there's a cross. From I mean, Vatican. it makes sense. All of a sudden I was just like, wait, why are we looking for churches? Yeah. Uh, just to see, it seems like a fun place to go. Okay. Um, I love the part where, you know, Buffy and Kendra having, they're kind of heart to heart, and Kendra accidentally shoots the lamp, and Buffy has the great line, Kendra killed a bad lamp. If for no other reason that it makes me imagine, what if that had been the adventure the whole time of them yes. fighting an evil lamp? Done. Credits roll. <laughs> it was the lamp the whole time! <laughs> you see flashbacks to the lamping in the background when everything happens. <gasps> oh no! He was there for the three and the praying mantis lady. He was there for all of it. It's a big bad. Moving on to season three. Season two's <laughs> over. Uh, there is a movie where a lamp is the villain. What is that? It's like Amityville Horror four or five. Oh, and I think I've seen one through three. So yeah, yeah, and it's literally all the evil of the Amityville house for whatever reason gets trapped in a lamp that somebody buys at a garage sale. I mean, yeah, sure. And then it, the movie has to end with them destroying a lamp as the climax. Good news. <laughs> it's easy to do that. Yep. It's kind of hard when, you, when your villain is a small inanimate object. Kind of, kind of hard to feel that threatened. I mean, the idea of a monkey paw as a small inanimate object. But that's like a cursed object. The lamp in this case wasn't cursed? It was haunted. I feel like that's a little sillier uh, to me. Yeah. Like, it's not like the lamp, people are making wishes on it, or it's just, like, causing things. The object itself isn't mystical. Yeah, it, it's, yeah, it's... That ghost could have attached itself to anything, they just chose a lamp. Yeah, and that's not that threatening. If Yeah, I think the, the fact of it being somewhat personified as being a haunting in some sense, but also being a lamp... That's not scary. If it's a sure. lamp that has a curse on it, that's a little different because it feels like there's something bigger behind it. Not like, oh, I'm trapped in this lamp. That's how I assume ghosts talk. Yep. Kind of like absolutely. droopy dog. <laughs> Kendra but, explains yeah. that she had to give up friends, school, and her family because yeah, they rough. would distract from her calling as a slayer. Isn't this what like agents tell like child stars? <laughs> Anyways. Kendra thinks that emotions are weaknesses. Buffy recognizes that emotions give her power. They mm-hmm. motivate her. Oh. And then she emphasizes that fact by goading her into anger. Yeah. I like this. It's a nice scene. And maybe the, these two episodes could have used a little bit more play between Buffy and Kendra. But I feel like I I get what they're they're doing well, with it. Definitely up until this point, Buffy has seemed to be the loser of the two. Kendra mm-hmm. had this by-the-book training. Yeah. She's super educated in the Slayer mm-hmm. ways, and Buffy just seems like this rube. Yeah. This moment I like because Buffy redeems of, hey, there's mm-hmm. some benefits to some non-traditional mm-hmm. education. Yeah. Similarly, Angel is trying to go Spike into a fight by bringing up his sexual history with Drew. Ooh. I, l- I love the line, it sounds like your boy could use some pointers. Just such a nice little dig to yeah, Spike. Yeah, this is good. Yeah. Angel's clearly trying to get Spike to kill him so that Drew's health cannot be restored. Spike catches on. I I think this is also like, I mean, what a selfless moment on Angel's Mm -hmm. part. He is straight up saying, kill me. I've been alive for 200 years, but the best thing for you to do right now is to murder me 
because it's better than Drusilla being brought to full health. That also, like, really terrifies me for seeing Drusilla at full health. Like, yeah. wow, that must mean that she's truly terrible. Mm-hmm. I think they do a good job of not making it a bunch of boring speeches about how powerful I will be once I have this thing, like they did in a lot of season one. Exactly. But the master of it just being kind of understood, and you see through, like you said, a more subtle way of this is what Angel's willing to do to prevent this. This must be really bad. Right. We just infer how terrible it's Mm going to be. Buffy and Kendra rough up Willie to find out where Angel is. Buffy wants to follow Willie to find him, but Kendra wants to report back to Giles for reinforcements. Kendra was right. Willie (laughs) delivers Buffy right to Spike. At the abandoned church, Spike performs Dulac's ritual. Willie brings in Buffy. I love that knife cross. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, that's really great. That's pretty cool. It looks like Spike is going to kill Buffy, but Kendra and the Scoobies break in and take down the vamps. I like that Xander and Cordelia... Take down Bugman with glue. Yeah. That's a smart. Mm-hmm. And also, like, they get their revenge. Like, he tortured yeah. them earlier. Yeah, so, fun. fuck you. There's some really great, as you said, fight choreography. I like when Buffy and Kendra switch, <laughs> which is pretty great. The, like, flipping over the back. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah, that was that was really fun. Yeah, and just, again, just to reiterate, it really, you can definitely see how much better the fight choreography is getting, both yeah. in what they're trying to do and how they're able to pull it off. I also think they recognize, because... Because this is, I think, similar to the choreography we get come season three when Faith shows up, mm-hmm. they recognize that when two slayers are in the same scene, yeah. you need to escalate the quality. Exactly. Like a vamp that just ro- rose from the grave is not going to have very good skills. Yeah. A slayer should be the best fighter in mm-hmm. the room. So having two of them should be amazing. Yeah. Classic uh, team up. It's like seeing, you know, we're reading a comic or seeing in a comic book movie when two uh, of the great heroes are in a fight together. That's It should be a little bit more epic. Yeah. So Spike recognizes his defeat. He lights the church on fire to distract the Scoobies. Dumb move for a vamp, man. Don't introduce fire into yeah, the Yeah, like you're this more susceptible like, to fire. Yeah. You know that, right? Bad move. Introduce yeah. something that you're like, I can survive this, whatever. Yeah, it's like, here, let me turn on this mane of holy water. Ha ha! Because you drowned. <laughs> oh wait, this is a bad choice. I tied a bunch of but uh, I tied a bunch of stakes up in a net in the ceiling. Let me pull the cord that <laughs> them to fall down on us. Because they could also kill you. But they'll like, definitely kill you. The Spike releases Drew. Mm-hmm. Buffy launches an incense burner at Spike, knocking him out. The organ falls on him. That's, that's pretty epic. The church burns down. We assume that Spike and Drew die in the fire. Now, before we completely leave this scene, I have to mention... My least favorite line in this two-parter. One of my least favorite lines in the show as a whole. That's me only shirt. I don't know how much time we want to spend on that. That's me only shirt. Why? Like, how do you only have one shirt? I mean, she's not rich. But, like, get another shirt. What do you do when that shirt's dirty? And also, it's a a midriff-bearing shirt. So you can only be in situations where you can bear your midriff. Well, she comes from a tropical climate. Okay. This, I always thought... But then you're just going to sweat like, through that shirt. And it's not like, that's for your only shirt. I'll have to go back and get another one from home. It's like, it sounds as if she's saying, I literally only own one shirt, true. which is madness. And I get the joke of it. And it's kind of meta in a way of like, oh, you always see characters in the same outfit. If somebody hurts that outfit, it's ruined. But she should have another shirt somewhere. 
Yes. I mean, I think this is just... And also the accent is is pretty atrocious. That's the only shirt. She also uses, like, between my and me, she will use those interchangeable. I mean, like, she doesn't always say me. Mm Mm-hmm. I think obviously this is a plot device if we just need to see her angry. So we use, she uses that anger the way that Buffy yeah. told her to. I guess I always pictured her from just coming from a very poor tropical community where like you make your own clothes and that kind of thing. Well, it does seem like her clothes are pretty store bought. And I think even if she was like, uh, right now this is me only shirt. Cause like, yeah, maybe she didn't take one on the plane, but. It doesn't sound like that. It sounds like she owns one shirt. If you take an overnight trip cross-country for a really important audition, mm-hmm. you don't pack a suitcase because you're only going overnight, and you rip the only the shirt that you're wearing, you didn't pack an extra one. I would pack an extra one. Okay, no. I'm, follow with me here. Don't break the rules. You didn't pack the extra one. You're only expecting to be in town for two hours for your audition, and then you're flying back to Chicago. And you rip that shirt. Are you going to say, you rip the only shirt I have on me right now? Or he's like, oh, you ripped my only shirt. I mean, who's ripping my shirt? <laughs> I need some more backstory on this uh, scenario. A vampire. <laughs> okay. Then it's like, oh my God, a vampire. <laughs> I don't care about my shirt all this audition because I'm being attacked by a vampire. But it was like, it was like, I, I think I, I would specify like, I don't have another shirt on me. I think I would. I don't think that, because that's my only shirt implies in all of time and space, this is my only shirt. I think in the moment in anger, you might phrase it as. I might say I don't have another shirt, but I think that is more clear, like, I don't have a spare shirt on me. Not, I don't own another shirt anywhere. Which I think, this is me only shirt, implies this is the sole shirt that she maybe has ever owned. She grew up in the shirt. <laughs> she was raised in the shirt. That's why it's so short, because it used to actually go oh, down to her knees. Yep. But nope. then she grew. That is clearly what happened. Yep. Yep. I think that makes a lot more sense. I, okay, I'm, I'm fine with it now. <laughs> so it's cool the next day. Uh, Oz gets some animal crackers from the vending machine. All those sweet 90s Doritos in there. Why is all the candy in the vending machine upside down? I think... Is that a copyright thing? I think so. I think some of it might be because, like... It's just creepy. I don't know why it creeps me out and seems like a horror movie thing that all the candy was playing upside down. I don't like it. It's terrifying. And I think some of it might be that it's... They've changed the label in some way, so it's not what it's supposed to be. But having it upside down, it's harder to notice that. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. So this is going to start my... Willow and Oz shipper rant. Everything about this scene is perfect. You know, they improvise a lot of this scene. It's even more perfect. <laughs> I love this. Everything about this Aww. makes me want to cry tears of happiness. No, it is very sweet. And I love, it's just so sweet uh, how he says, this is the, you, you have the sweetest smile I've ever seen. It's really low key about it. And it's like. And her look, her shocked yeah. look, and he just launches into the next sentence. Mm-hmm. Like it didn't happen. I love it. Yep. Like the, how's your arm? Suddenly painless. Mm. You can still play the guitar, okay? Well, not well, but not worse. Yeah. Oh, he's so cute! Oh, oh my god. god, no, I love him so much. I like that he's struggling to open the animal cracker box, so she opens it for him. They don't address it, they don't say anything, mm-hmm. she just does it because she's a good person. <laughs> he points out that the monkey is the only animal cracker that gets clothes. And the hypothetical jealous hippo. I yep. have my hippo dignity. Oh, monkeys are French. I love this so much. <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't think that's clear at all. No. I think you should state it more uh, more fervently. Might be one of my favorite scenes. It's so cute. Yeah. It is, it is very cute. I'm not I'm not as gushy about it, but it is a, a lovely scene between the two. Xander and Cordy recap their kiss, blaming each other, obviously. Mm-hmm. This, of course, devolves into a fight and then another kiss. Yeah. I just love the, the part of the line where it's, yes, I hired a Latvian bug man. <laughs> <laughs> Buffy says goodbye to Kendra, who is wearing Buffy's shirt. I like that detail. Because <laughs> that was her only shirt. <laughs> it was. Kendra tells Buffy that slaying isn't a job. It's who you are. Back at the church, Drew and Spike are still alive. Drew has obviously been restored because she can pick up Spike. Good sex awaits. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll find out next episode. Maybe not. Maybe not. Uh, and that that shot at the end is just perfect. And it was a matte shot that they totally, they just had uh, Juliet Landau holding James Marsters, who was actually suspended on strings because obviously she's a normal person who can't just easily lift a very large man. And yeah, they green screen the entire set behind them was basically a matte painting. So it's, I just think that's really cool that they went to like that extreme just to get a cool last shot. It yeah. would be so easy to just have it be like, oh, and now let's go. And you just get like a little bit a of close the, up and you yeah. don't see that somebody is. Yeah, or like a little bit of rubble around them. Yeah. But they really, I, I, I'm glad they went the extra mile there. It shows that they, they really care about doing, doing the show right. Right. So what's the lesson and what's my line? No, seriously, I'm asking what's the lesson and what's uh, my line. <laughs> There's kind of a lot yeah. happening here, and I don't know how to articulate I, it. I think a lot of people learn little lessons. I think the kind of classic one, especially in early Buffy, about rules are good, but you have to be flexible, and you have to have a life outside of your profession or your, your fate, your calling. And I think there is something kind of subtextually in these episodes about kind of free will versus determinism, because you have... A lot of things that are very much the fate of this is what I have to, this is what this test says I have to do. Mm. These killers are never going to stop coming. They will come until I'm dead. There's all these things that are like fate makes this, this is the only way. In a lot of ways, Buffy shows like, oh, this isn't the only way, but I am the Slayer. That is a part of my identity. It's not something that's, you know, necessarily put on me. It was, you know, something that she fell into, but it's now become part of her. It's not this fate that she has to, you know, be resigned to. It's now become a part of who she is. And that's it's kind of resolving a little bit of that issue. I do like that they use... So obviously, you know, the majority of us don't have this prophecy mm-hmm. about how we're going to spend oh, the rest of prophecy? our lives. No. So I can't really commiserate with Buffy about like, oh, there, you know, I have this mystical calling Mm -hmm. but you're right the idea of a career fair or something maybe that you're expected to do aka the family business maybe Mm -hmm. is our real world version of that and the idea of either you can choose to kick that to the curb Mm -hmm. or you can embrace it not as something that you have to do but of heart a part of who you are as part of your identity There's also, I think, a nice lesson in here about your emotions being strengths Mm -hmm. and not weaknesses. You know, I think it's Buddhism that believes that um, strong emotions are bad Mm -hmm. and should be squelched. 
so that you stay more logical and clear headed. Mm -hmm. And in some parts of your life, that's absolutely true. Yeah. You know, especially in the business world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You, you know, you have to stay clear headed, but it does prov they are um, strengths in other ways. They mm -hmm. just can help you to yeah. motivate you, to push you to do things that maybe you thought previously not possible. And it's really a lot easier to have friends when you have emotions. Also that. And friends can help you. As previously stated, we don't like robots. We would not be friends with them. Yeah. Uh, especially not demons taking over robots. That no, doesn't That's the worst work, of all possible well. worlds. <laughs> okay, so do we want to do a little international title roundup? Yes, sir. Buffy Tapaja, Vampirit. Ernie Dragon, Das Rind Fleisch Canoe. Future Rifle International. For our international titles today, as you might expect, most of them are variations on kind of a title, part one and two. Some of the more interesting ones, the Finnish Visitors, part one and two. Oh, I like that. Yeah, yeah that's, that's not bad. Yeah. That's not bad. The Portuguese title is a little on the nose. It sounds a little desperate. What should I do? Parts one and two. I mean, we could title every episode that. Yeah. What should I do? But Germany pulling it out. What? They, Germany pulled it out. They were worried about an unplanned pregnancy. <laughs> yep. That's exactly what they did. Okay. Um, Checking. They didn't, they didn't want to have East uh, Germany and West Germany have South Germany. Okay. So Germany didn't have parts one and two. They had two separate titles. Oh. But that are similar. It's pretty cool. First one is The Rival. Kendra. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. And But you think it's like, oh, it's the rival of the assassins. No, it ends up being this new slayer. Yeah. And the second one is called The Ritual. Because of the big <gasps> ritual at the end. I like that better than what's That's pretty mind. awesome. Yeah. Go German. Yeah. Go Germany. Das Four, is good. Win. Yes. Das is very good. <laughs> I think we just completely destroyed whatever good will we may have just built with, with Germany <laughs> by our horrible German accents. Now it's time to celebrate Buffy's badassery with this week's Slay of the Week. So I give it to Willow. Okay. In What's My Line Part 2, in the church, Giles has a vamp and a headlock. Willow says, hold him steady, and stakes him overhand using two hands. Mm -hmm. And then brush the dust off of Giles. That is pretty cool. I, I like those kind of kills where it's something done off screen. Uh, but it's just kind of like the fun movie magic of it. But I have to, if for no other reason than it was the most interesting kill to talk about, I have to give it to Psychops Guy. Murder! Murder of a human being. Murder of the week! Because um, <laughs> I still contend it might have been a supernatural guy. And I think it's it's the most clever way that, that Buffy killed somebody this week. Or that anybody really killed anybody this week. Because most of the other kills, even though some were shot really well, or it was cool to see Willow get her first, like, vamp kill. I just um, always like the idea of non-magical people who mm -hmm. are not physically matched to the vampires. Yeah. Still trying their best. And the fact that mm -hmm. they're doing using teamwork to do this. Yeah. To bring down a vamp. Yeah. I just like the improvisational nature of what's the weapon I have on me? An ice skate. Angel hold him. I'll grab this net. Slice to the neck. Yeah. I also like the willow kill because, you know, they, they point out at some point that staking a vamp is not like it would be to stake a human being. Yeah. Their chest cage mm -hmm. is actually really tough. Yeah. So it's like dry, trying to drive a stake through a concrete wall. Yeah. So I like the added detail of 
Willow's overhand, mm-hmm. two-handed stake. Yeah. When you usually have, you know, perfect human beings using mm-hmm. one-handed, it's more realistic, I think, that yeah. you would need the extra momentum of this. Well, and it's overhand. funny that that's become kind of the standard of having just one-handed vampire stakes. Uh, and you could say possibly because of Buffy, even though if you're paying attention, you realize because she has super strength, that's how she can do that. It's not like a bunch of other characters, maybe other vampires, but other characters aren't just one-handed staking them up all day. Uh, but it used to be in vampire movies, like classic Dracula. The stake, it wasn't just easy in in of the stake. You had to really drive it in. You had to like get a hammer, hammer. Yeah. and really pound it in there. I was in a production of Dracula once, and we had to actually cut this line. There's a line about it that says, let me drive it in deep. And you can uh, see why we had to cut that. High schoolers. Uh, this was this was college. Oh no, even worse. Yeah, and it was it was funny because we tried, and I I legitimately most of the time tried to play it straight, but every time somebody laughed, and we're like, people in the audience are gonna laugh. Yeah, there's no way around it's it. Just, it's gonna to. happen. So let Willow drive it in deep. <laughs> See? <laughs> See, yeah, no, it got me still. <laughs> uh, anything else you'd like to say about what's my line? Uh, just that it's a really solid two-parter. They don't do them a lot, but I think if more of them were done like this, I would yeah. have been very happy with it. Much better um, done than Harvest and Welcome to the Hellmouth. Yeah, the yeah, because the cliffhanger is so weak in that. Yeah. Um, and this one, I love the cliffhanger, which is a very important thing to me if you're doing a two-parter. Because a weak cliffhanger just makes it seem like, oh, you couldn't make two episodes or you can make one episode out of this you had to make a two episodes and you just had to put something in and that seems super weak to me but you just had to put something in <laughs> put, drive it in deeper i had to drive it in deeper and then germany pulled it out <laughs> <laughs> so that answers this question what's my line uh, good night folks <laughs> my work here is done <laughs> you have anything else to add <laughs> that was beautiful. <laughs> oh. Thank you for tuning in to the Sunnydale Stacks. Please like us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Sunnydale Stacks to ask us questions or share your own opinions and memories about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher, and join us next time when we dust off Ted and Bad Eggs. Of course they're bad eggs. They're dusty. They've been in there too long. <laughs> <laughs> When we get lost in a sunny desert. <laughs> <laughs>